This is Debbie, and welcome to another brand new episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditched the norm to live their best life and become location independent. This week, I speak with Anna Rova, a fellow podcaster of Girl Skill, who provides women with the inspiration, tools, and resources to embrace their wild, feminine nature so they can live life on their own terms. Having lived in a little and mostly unknown country, Moldova, in Eastern Europe, Anna was faced with a lot of struggles and hardships that has made her resilient, but also harsh. Although her upbringing was hard, it pushed Anna to leave her home to travel the world and become a digital nomad. Anna's journey has led her to reverse her thinking on femininity and the roles of males and females in her journey. Today, Anna travels the world as a digital nomad with her husband and focuses her time on the podcast and mentoring other women to embrace their femininity. Anna and I first came across each other when we were both looking for guidance and connection with fellow podcasters on social media. Anna's energy stood out to me even though we haven't met yet in person because of her honest and driven personality, and I'm so honored to have her on this episode. Hey Anna, thank you so much for joining me today. Can you fill in the gaps of your story and why you live an offbeat life? Hi Debbie, I'm so happy to be here. Such an honor. Well, I mean, I guess like all of your guests on the show, I'm traveling. I'm living this digital nomad lifestyle, which might seem like a dream life to everyone else. But I guess I'm really kind of carving my path and following my own heart and my own journey. And as you know, I met my partner on the road and I feel like I'm living the life that a lot of people dream of having without realizing that it's a life like anyone else's life. But it's definitely offbeat in the sense that I, all of my work is online. I work from anywhere, all of that good stuff, like most of your guests, I assume. I know that you're from Eastern Europe. How were you able to start a digital nomadic life from Eastern Europe and now you're all over the world? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. So I was born in the country of Moldova, which is in Eastern Europe. It's the poorest country in Europe. It's freaking tiny. There's no access to sea or mountains or anything like that. It's agricultural. Therefore, you know, no natural resources and the economy is not that strong and divided and all of that stuff. But my story is really interesting because I'm usually the first one people meet from Moldova. I'm not sure, Debbie, if you met anyone from Moldova yet. <laughs> it sounds like something from a movie where there's princesses and princes there. <laughs> I would more say peasant princesses and peasant <laughs> a prince, princes, I guess. But I mean, a little bit. So anyone has been to Romania, for example, it's like Romania, but smaller and a little bit different, but pretty much almost the same in terms of language, culture wise and all of that food and all of that. We have a lot of Russian influence. In fact, I speak Russian. I speak Romanian. I ended up traveling and getting into this digital nomad lifestyle because I worked in Malaysia for about three years where I learned everything I knew about online marketing at a company called Mind Valley. And then because we were traveling a lot here and there and there was opportunities for remote work and I realized, oh my gosh, all I need is a laptop to do this work. And I know online marketing and I know people pay good money. And I got exposed to this kind of digital nomad world back then. So I just started traveling. So that was about three years ago. And here I am. Currently, I'm in Gran Canary, Spain. That sounds like an amazing place to be right now. I'm very jealous because here in New York, we just had a really big storm. 
Yeah. Debbie, let me tell you, I thought so as well. And let me just, because I know you have a lot of travelers in your audience, and I've heard about Las Palmas Gran Canary for a while. It's supposed to be this digital nomad hub in Europe. As much as it kind of is, I was very disappointed when I came here. And I'm honest about it. I was truly disappointed because the true digital nomad hub it's not like that here. It's not like Chiang Mai. It's not like Changu. It's not like Medellin in Colombia. I came with a lot of expectations and that weren't fulfilled. <laughs> However, I must say that we are staying here for six months. Actually, we just signed a contract for an apartment and it has a lot of good things to be in Europe. We can talk about why we chose this location, but I feel like we're in a good location and I'm starting to enjoy it, but it definitely is not as a typical digital at home. It's hot, yeah. So it's better than New York probably for sure in terms of weather. <laughs> I'm sure you can go to the beach, so not too bad, right? Yes, yes. It's a two-minute walk from where I am, and the beach is beautiful. You're making me even more jealous, Anna, so. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you are such a go-getter, and you've done so many things. You obviously are a digital nomad. You know marketing, and then you created another podcast before this one. So you have a lot of goals you set for yourself. When you first want to realize a goal or a dream, what are your first steps? You know, it's really interesting because my work is really about femininity and discovering what it is and what is womanhood. That's what my podcast Girl Skill is all about. And right now I don't actually set goals in terms of, and I don't know if I ever had been doing that. For example, okay, my goal this year is this, and my goal for next three months is this. I mean, I do that when, for example, I'm launching a program, which I just did. I had a goal for how many clients I want to get in terms of revenue. But it's kind of, I just know what I want and I go for it in the sense that there's not always a strict plan. And that also plays with me discovering my femininity. I just go for what my heart feels like. I'm trying to build very authentic in my marketing, in my channels, in my programs. You can earn a living while traveling easy. So let me just tell you that, especially today. There's so many opportunities online, and the more you listen to kind, and I'm sure, Debbie, you talk to some amazing people who are able to make a living and make money while traveling. So that's no problem. Now, I think it's harder to do it being an entrepreneur and having your own online business. So if your goal is purely to make money online, there's plenty of options from VA opportunities to marketing to just working for a company or even being a freelancer. I personally embarked on the journey of a podcaster, which is a very hard journey, actually. And monetizing a podcast is one of the hardest things to do because it's not so mainstream and not so widespread. And then how do you make money out of a podcast? Like everybody's on the way to answer this question. And the thing is with podcasting, a lot of people, as you know, Debbie, <laughs> a lot of people make money through advertising or sponsorships. And that is only possible when our numbers are really high, right? Because my podcast is growing. It's a new podcast. Actually, I've launched about four months ago and I am almost at 10,000 downloads and I made my first $1,000 online from my group program. And so I consider that actually a success. I really think about it. And how did I make the first money? It was a hard journey because I was looking for a business model that makes sense. And, you know, I know the models, right? Like you could do affiliate marketing, you could do sponsorship, blah, blah. But I decided to launch my first program because I know a lot about femininity and womanhood. I became kind of an expert and, and this is what my podcast is about. And while talking to a mentor of mine, she asked me, why don't you launch your first program? Make it really easy. Invite 10 women to join you, you know, your followers. Just make it really a warm launch in a way. Just announce it everywhere. Make a plan. And that's what I did. 
I didn't know how this is going to go. I was really scared. I didn't think I was ready because you never are pretty much. And so it's been a journey of about a month, month and a half. And I did a lot of market research calls, a lot of things. And I actually had only one woman sign up in three weeks. And that woman was my hardcore fan. And then a week before my program was about to start, I was, what am I going to do? I'm never going to do this because there's only one person. And so another kind of guide or inspiration of mine, or even like a mentor, I've interviewed her on my podcast, Regina Nagiono, who I highly recommend that everybody follows because she's brilliant. She advised me, why don't you host a webinar or an info session and just tell your girls, teach them something related to your program and tell them about what this program is about. So that's what I did last week. There was a lot of work. Oh my God. I didn't even realize how much work making a webinar is. And twice I did two sessions in one day, two days before the offer is going to close. So I had 17 women show up. And then after the program, I had about six women who signed up for the call and I had to hustle and I had to follow up and blah, blah. But yeah, I have seven women who signed up for my first program. The price for it was, well, we dropped the webinar to 179. It's a six-week program. And I offered a lot of bonuses, like one-on-one sessions and all of that. And so here we are. And I just did my first call actually yesterday and it went great. I'm scared to do this every single time, but that's kind of the path that I'm going for. And I'm going to be doing one-on-one coaching with women. I don't like the word coaching. I'd rather (laughs) call it mentorship or guidance for women who want to really rediscover their femininity and live a life of joy and peace rather than struggle, a lot of stress and resistance. And we'll see how it goes. That's kind of the story. (laughs) The fact that you were so scared of it and then you accomplished it is amazing, Anna. So congratulations to your first ever webinar and the success of it. And now for your clients, that's amazing. (laughs) Thanks so much, Debbie. But I just want to say, I'm going to write an article about this. When I got my first sale, it was an incredible moment. It was a moment where I remember where it was. It was in a plane. We were flying with my partner, with my husband now, from Australia to Spain. And I opened my email and I saw, you got an order, $229 for your girl's skill. And I just sat there and I looked at him and I still feel the goosebumps. It happened. You don't believe it until it's happening because there is a lot of imposter syndrome. There's a lot of thoughts like who's going to pay money for this? Like who am I to teach this? I have that constantly. But when I saw that sale, I knew this is it. I knew that my path and where I'm going is the right path for me. But to be honest with you, as I said, $1,000, everybody's make your first dollar online or whatever. You know, I'm starting to make a little bit of money from affiliates and from Amazon a little bit from all the books I'm recommending on the podcast. But I just want to say that it doesn't mean anything. And I don't know, what's your experience, Debbie? (laughs) For me, making your first $5,000 online is a great success in terms of, oh my God, like somebody actually did this and this is all an experiment and this is amazing. It's like a proof of concept, so to say, not like a validation. But it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean you have a business. It doesn't mean that you are going to sustain yourself with this. So, and the amount of investment that we already made in girl skill is $1,000 is nothing compared to the time, the energy, the sweat, the tears, the fights I have with my husband sometimes <laughs> about it. It's not even comparable. So I just want to say that, that it's not like, oh my God, I'm not in the clouds. I'm very real about this and I don't have a problem to share my experience. But Anna, you're on the way there. So... <laughs> That's right. I have to remind myself, you're at the beginning and it's a great beginning. Thank you for your words. <laughs> you are really passionate about embracing your femininity and you've lived in so many different places and you've seen a lot of different takes on what 
feminism and female empowerment is. And how do you see the difference that you've seen in a lot of different places, especially now with the female movement here in the United States and what you've seen in your journey all over the world? Oh, that is such a loaded question, Debbie. Thank you for asking, because indeed, whatever is happening in the U.S. is really, really interesting. We live in very interesting times. I can tell you right now, it's really interesting that everybody in the U.S., and it feels to me, the whole world is on this wave, which is pretty much not true. People just live their lives, and obviously the wave is created in the U.S., and the wave is spread all over the world, absolutely for sure. But this is not the reality everywhere, and this is not the reality in every company, in every relationship, and everywhere. I feel it's an incredible phenomenon, actually, that how minorities, for example, be it racial minorities or gender minorities or whatever, can create so much... I don't want to call it noise, but can create a lot of waves that it feels like everyone is talking about it. I'm sure you know what I mean, Debbie. Yeah. And so it's really interesting. I would say that so many women are actually around the world and places are kind of waking up to this wave of empowerment and equal rights and everything. But I also want to say that in so many countries, this was the reality. You know, for me, for example, in Eastern Europe, Eastern European women are fierce and have always been like so many other women around the world. You know, I never had an idea in my mind that I can't do anything because I'm a girl. That thought crossed my mind when I was exposed to a lot of the feminist movement in the United States. I was what? What do you mean women can't do something? I'm like, that concept didn't exist. I don't think it does exist for women in Russia or Eastern Europeans, maybe in some jobs, right? Like politics, for example. But I listen to a lot of different audios and I read a lot of different books about this subject. And it's also a matter of preference for a lot of women. Like if you ask me, I don't want to be in politics. I don't want to be in tech. It's my choice. So anyways, that's a discussion we could have a whole <laughs> podcast about it, right? What I would say, you know, women are just living their lives. Women are building their lives with their husbands. They still want love. They still want partnerships. A lot of women are loving men, appreciate the masculine energy. They want a strong masculine partner. And a lot of women are just figuring it all out. It's a loaded question to answer, but definitely whatever is going on in the U.S., I listen to a lot of podcasts and read a lot of books, and there's so much exaggeration going there and influencing so many women to feel like it's everywhere and the world is unfair. And I just want to end answering this question with something that I say pretty much on every podcast. We women have never had so many opportunities and so many possibilities to do what we want as we have today. And that is a fact. Do you know what I mean? It's like women today can run for presidents, run companies, and so on and so on. And so when I hear things like, I don't know, complaining about no opportunities or something, what are you talking about? Yes, that exists, but I as a woman today can do anything, especially with internet, you know, like traveling online and living the life that I want to live. So that's how I would answer this question. I'm not sure if this gives you enough detail or not, but we can definitely talk more about it. (laughs) I really agree with you, Anna. It's interesting to me because some of the women that I have interviewed who are especially from Asia, because I'm also Asian, and I've never had that in my household where I was told I couldn't do anything. And a lot of women in Asia are actually very, very successful and in really high places as CEOs or even in government. You know, the Philippines had a woman as a president and the United States has never had that. So it's really interesting to me 
what's happening here right now because even the women in my family is super strong honestly to tell you the truth their personalities are so much stronger than the men in my family so (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's really interesting because the stereotype as well or at least my personal experience was that actually I see Asian men having more feminine qualities than the western men and therefore and by you know the polarity my whole foundation of my work is the polarity between the masculine and feminine meaning that a feminine woman will attract a masculine man or a feminine man will attract a masculine woman and a masculine energy I mean so it might be actually that it's true if the men are a bit more feminine than women, then yeah. women would naturally play a masculine role. Yeah. But that would be a very interesting to explore, actually. <laughs> yeah. What is your take on political correctness and the role of men in today's society? Because again, there's a lot of things that's happening right now. And I talked to my boyfriend and he and I are from two different backgrounds. He's a white male and I'm an Asian minority female. There are certain things that I can say and he can't. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but what is your take on that? I listen to a lot of Joe Rogan podcasts with my husband and I follow like I've been a victim of political correctedness myself in the sense that, well, you've seen my girl skill brand, right? I was a victim of cultural appropriation because I put some, so in my branding, it's all about wolves and women because I'm inspired by Clarissa Pinkolista's book, Women Who Run With The Wolves. And so I did this whole like photo shoot manipulation, whatever. And it was supposed to be me staring at a wolf or running with wolves. And so at the time I was in Brazil in Rio de Janeiro and I was preparing for my shoot and I went on a market. It was an open market. I bought whatever I thought would be great for this kind of tribal cave-like foresty thing. Because you're with a wolf, right? Like, what am I going to wear? Heels? I mean, that would be an interesting (laughs) play. Okay. But I just chose to go for this kind of very wild look. And what happened, I had feathers in my hair. So I literally went and I wanted feathers in my hair. And then the only thing I could find was a dream catcher. These dream catchers that they have like feathers hanging out. It was like a wild tribal kind of whatever dream catcher. So I took that and I put that in my hair and I thought it was amazing. And So the pictures, the manipulated pictures came out and then I posted it in two groups on Facebook to actually ask opinion, not about the look itself, but about what podcast cover should I use. So there were four different things. And so I posted this on a Friday night and on Saturday morning, I woke up with in one group, there were more than a hundred comments and actually the admin of the group has disabled the comments. And then the other group went crazy as well. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? I had no idea. And then I realized, actually, then I got to know the concept of cultural appropriation. And so basically I was blamed for having feathers in my hair, which is basically a cultural appropriation of the Native American culture. And I was just sitting there and I was like, are you freaking kidding me? This was a whole big drama. And I actually decided to change my look and I debated to do it or not. And right now you can see, and this is kind of a pitch for everyone to go and to see (laughs) the Girl Skill website, the Girl Skill covers, because you will see that I have flowers in my hair, which is not original for me. We had to manipulate it again. I had to pay like an extra, I don't know, a hundred bucks to do this. But at that time, I chose to be not engaged in a conversation about cultural appropriation where my whole business and my message is about femininity. Do you know what I mean? So to be honest with you, I think that we live in a time where people have become so sensitive to everything. I feel, especially in the U.S., everybody's so sensitive. You can't say this. You can't say that. There's rules to what you can say. There's rules to what you can feel, to what you can write. 
And to me, it sounds like we're going a little bit backwards in terms of freedom of speech, for example. So I've put, I can't remember who wrote this, was a discussion on feminism today and all of that. And I said something like, well, let's ask the guys or let's ask the white men. And all the women were like, oh, no, the last thing we need here is a white man sharing his opinion. I'm like, what are you talking? Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, my God. So don't ask me about political correctness. (laughs) Some people have just lost just common sense. I know so many guys, white guys. I mean, most of my friends are white guys. Most of the men I know are white guys because I come from Eastern Europe and it just happens that way. They're great men. They want to help their women, but they're like confused. They can't say, if he says this, like, what is this? I get so angry about this subject. So we can have a whole interview about that if you want. (laughs) But yeah, that's my opinion on it. I definitely agree with that. And this is a discussion that my partner and I have gone through a lot because he's a white Mm. man and he's from the United States. He's from Kansas. And obviously he's not that type of person. He's not a racist, but then... There are certain things that he would say before he would even finish a sentence, he gets cut off because automatically whatever opinion you have does not matter because you're a white male in the United Mm -hmm. States. It's like if you're a white man, you can't even say anything anymore because everything you say is going to be, there's so much talk about the patriarchy and a man's world. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? There's this concepts that, oh my God, the patriarchy is build on purpose to make women stay at home and blah, 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 in a man's world. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, there's (laughs) just so much out there. And I feel for the white men. I mean, what is this? If we want equality, we want equality. We don't want reversed equality. (laughs) So, yeah, that's a subject that plays on my nerves a lot. You have so many things that you're doing right now. You have a business and now you just launched this coaching business that you have along with your podcast. What does your average day look like? Well, I always start with a morning routine. I have a special routine that keeps me productive and fulfilled. So I do like my morning pages. I have my little altar. I light up a candle. I write my morning pages. Sometimes I pull up a tarot card and then I always do some kind of stretching exercise. Recently, because I'm on a coaching training certification, I do this kind of prime and feminine flow exercises where I'm getting more and more in touch with my body. So dropping from your head into your heart and into your womb. So that's kind of what I'm doing. And then this time I'm learning Spanish. So three times a week I'm going to Spanish classes. And then depending on when that finishes, I just start my work online. So a lot of times I have calls on Wednesdays. I'm recording podcast episodes. So Debbie, you're coming on the podcast, which I'm very excited (laughs) about. Yeah, so it's a lot of staring into the computer, doing the work. I'm checking my email, talking to people, recording intros, outros, preparing for my group coaching calls, all of that stuff. And then in the evening, I can't live without yoga. So I'm going to yoga classes. I do some sort of yoga every day. For me, exercise has become part of my morning routine or evening routine. So I run actually on the beach as well a couple of times a week. And then evenings are usually, I don't know, I either go to like dance classes, which I'm going to start hopefully this week. And then we go for dinner and we read and go to bed. My husband goes to bed early. So that helps me as well. And then it begins again. That sounds like an awesome day. And you're so active. I'm very jealous about that. (laughs) I'm trying. Yeah. It's because otherwise, you know, to be honest with you, I hate working online for eight hours a day. 
I get my energy from people. So I need to move and I need to get away. And if I sit down for four hours, I'm actually so happy to be talking with you today because that's my jam, you know? I love to be in conversation. I feed off people's energy and I love the community. I work in the co-working space. Usually a lot of times I work from home when I have calls and we just bought like a second screen. So it's beautiful. And I wish I could interact more with people actually. And I'm looking forward to a time where I just work maybe four hours a day, check my main things. And then I just focus on community podcasts and, you know, being on stage and just talking to real people and not people in the screen, you know? (laughs) You're definitely on the way there, Anna. So I can't wait until you get to that point too. What has been the biggest setback that you've encountered and how do you usually handle it? Oh my God, I have so many, Debbie. And and it's interesting, I can't remember much because they don't <laughs> define me, right? I constantly deal with challenges. We're talking about challenges like life-changing challenges. We're talking also about business challenges, personal, like on a personal level, I go through challenges every day. But I think for me, the biggest setback, I think, in a defining moment in my life that does not define me, my mother Actually, if I can share a personal story, I think might be interesting is that my mother passed away when I was really young. I was eight years old. And that story has been a defining story in my life up until the age maybe of like 23, 24. So just a few years ago. And I've interviewed myself on my podcast. Actually, I called a woman, a very experienced podcaster to come and interview me because It's really interesting. I have a typical Cinderella story in the sense I grew up without a mother. So imagine at eight, my mother disappeared and there was a lot of wounds and trauma there. And then my father was a very conservative, emotionally unavailable man that had to deal with having two young girls in Eastern Europe in the 80s, pretty much. And that was hard, actually, in the 90s. And it was a time where the Soviet Union was breaking up and there was a lot of challenges. And then he married another woman when I was 14. And she was the evil stepmother that I never got along. We had a lot of fights, even physical fights. And so I had to leave the house. So actually, when I was 17, I went to the United States to be a high school exchange student. So that was a really interesting experience. But when I came back, I realized I can't live in that house. And I left when I was 18 because I could, (laughs) because I was legally an adult. And that was a very, very hard time for me. In fact, you know, I lived with my aunt, I lived with my boyfriend. At some point I was like homeless, not knowing where I'm going to sleep after that. And all of that while finishing high school and finishing two years in one because of the year that I missed being in the U.S. and all of that. And then I went to college. I actually went to an American school in Bulgaria. I tell you these stories because I feel like when I share this story, People look at my life and they are not going to say anymore white privilege because I come from the poorest country in Europe. I come from a country where $400 a month is a decent income, where there's still a lot of corruption, where just when I go back every year, I'm like, wow. I mean, I'm truly appreciative of where I came from and I try to be very humble about it. And I hope to God, to be honest with you, that I know in like five years, I'm going to have a different life and a different business But I really hope that I'm going to stay authentic to myself and to my journey because really I know it's inspiring a lot of women around the world. And if I can make it, and of course it depends on the grit and your character. And I've always been rebellious. I was always a natural leader. And there was resilience in me from when I was little. I always knew what I wanted. But still, having gone through the adversity that I've gone through, it just made me a stronger woman. And it actually, you know, from one point, there's a lot of pluses to it. I'm very grateful for that experience. However, from another side, it made me harsh. 
it made me brutal. It made me insensitive. So therefore, I had a lot of masculine energy. And now I'm like reversing the whole thing. I'm like, who am I as a woman? What is femininity? I didn't know that. Every girl had a mother and I didn't. And I realized I didn't know what love was. So I guess I don't know if you like were prepared for that story, but that's what comes to mind when you tell me about the biggest setback. I don't know if it's a setback, but it's definitely like a blessing in disguise. I mean, we all have our journey. So you are so positive and you have this incredible energy to you that I just really love, Anna, and <laughs> it just shows. So, <laughs> yeah, because I could have turned out very bitter. Yeah. And I see so many women that let their stories define them and they become bitter. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of hate out there, especially on men, because a lot of the struggles are coming from men. And I just reframed myself. I took responsibility for everything that happened in my life. And I just didn't want to live that life. I want to live a life of joy and peace. I want to spread the light. I can't be sitting there and hating my stepmother. Everybody's on their journey. And I completely transformed because that what makes my life happier and I'm just grateful for everything I have and I'm grateful to be sharing this message like being with you today on a podcast because I know there are listeners and I love making people smile and then I wake up every day and it's amazing life that I'm living today and traveling the world and everything it's truly great there's a lot of challenges to it and I go through ups and downs constantly but it is what it is and then we are where we're at and this too shall pass I have tattooed this on my right hand (laughs) You have talked to a lot of people and you've received, I'm sure, a lot of advice and you've given a lot of advice, but through it all, throughout your whole journey, what has been the worst advice that you have ever received? It's really interesting. There's nothing that pops into my mind right away, but I can tell you that I think that's what's happening today and that's what I'm not taking and I'm following my path and I think that that's what's helping me be authentic and successful in that way is that I see a lot of people, especially marketers out there or business owners or entrepreneurs, trying to copy-paste a lot of things. And that's what I want to write about, my first $1,000, whatever. There's a lot of formulas and structures and systems out there. And obviously, as an entrepreneur or someone in their career or whatever, we want to take something that has made someone else successful and we want to implement it in our business, right? Like we want to use the tools we want to use because everybody's like, oh, Instagram. 10 steps to do this, five ways to do this and implement this. And here's another training. Here's another training. I just got so freaking overwhelmed with all of this. There's so much information out there. I'm like, goodness. And so, well, I guess the worst thing that I've seen people telling me what to do or whatever is just telling me like a copy paste thing to do, just giving you a formula. As much as I love formulas and I've been in online marketing, a formula is just a formula. You have to take the formula and you've got to see if it applies into your business, into your situation, into your thing. And to be honest with you, I stopped following online marketers. I just stopped reading blogs. It's overwhelming for me. I'm losing myself in it. At some point, I'm like, what do I do here? And a lot of people I see are following this advice and it's great. There's a formula and here's step one, two, three, four. But I love a business, and I think you can see this in a business or a podcast, where people, you know, they're just doing what they love. They're listening to their voice, and a lot of the ideas, actually, most of my ideas for the podcast, for the branding, come from me. I'm just following my intuition and my curiosity. Hmm, who I 
would be interested in to interview on this podcast today. I get excited about my guests. I truly do. And when I was reading the profiles of my clients that sign up for the program, I get excited about mm-hmm. being with them on a call. You know, for me, it is about the numbers. You know, I don't want to lie. This is a business. And I'm not sitting here and being like, oh my goodness, I'm just going to talk about femininity, make world the better place. I'm going to do that. But I'm building a business. It's not a hobby for me. So I have to be very business savvy in that sense. So I think that the worst advice is somebody who would give me a structure and a formula and be like, watch this and follow this blindly. And that's going to make you money. I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, maybe, but I always want to kind of adjust And I always want to ask the question, is this true for me? Does this make sense in my business? Or maybe I'm going to try. But then, so a lot of people don't have the internal compass. And because they're overwhelmed with information, because they don't know how to set up boundaries and eliminate distractions, and they're just following whatever everybody else is doing. I think that's bad advice. Especially when you have clients, everyone is so different. And what we need is different from each other. So formulas don't work for everyone. For sure. Talking about building your business, especially right now, how were you able to finance this chosen career from the start and how do you continue to create income today? Me and my husband, we are partners in the business and he is in the back scenes, in the behind the scenes, and I'm in the front of the scenes. And so when we started it, so I had my own savings, but we were together. We weren't married at that time. And what happened is we combined our budget And I just went on. So pretty much I had more than a year plus something off. So I wasn't bringing almost any income. I was taking a couple of clients. So I had online marketing clients that I was consulting. And what else? But that was pretty much it, Debbie. I full on focused on girl skill and building it. My husband believed in me. So we pretty much were living on his income, my savings and his savings. And it brought us to where we are today. But it was very tough in the sense that not financially tough because my husband, he's built a name and a reputation for himself and all of that. But he really believed in me. And I really, really appreciate that I'm with a partner with whom I can focus doing what I love. And I feel like this is so important, especially if you're a woman. Pretty much that's it. And we focused on the most important things. We outsource, for example, editing for the podcast. I asked myself, what is the one thing that I can only do? And that is create content and focus on a great brand. And that's what we've been doing so far. It's amazing that you have that partnership and the belief that you have in each other. And don't forget to listen to the extended interview with Anna because she's going to share more about how she keeps her relationship strong, especially when you have your business and you're also traveling all over the world. So that's going to be fun. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I just want to say something that I've talked about with one of my girlfriends who's also been on the podcast. It's really interesting how we look at income and families, especially if you're married or let's say even if you're not. It's really interesting that when we look at two different people, let's say my husband is bringing X amount of money and then you think, oh, this is his income and he's bringing an X amount of money and this is financing our business, our life, blah, blah. But in reality, that is not true because The money that he's making, or let's say if I was the one working, although I wouldn't like to be in that position, but okay, whatever. (laughs) The money that he's making is a money or an income or revenue that we're making together. Because it's not that just he walks out of the house and that's it and comes home. It's an energy thing. It's a support that a couple is giving to each other. So for example, you know, the fact that he's full of energy depends on my levels of energy as a woman. 
of how happy I am, how stressed I am. You know, like he comes home, for example, last night, I gave him a really nice massage. I know he works hard. He wakes up at 5.30 a.m. and leaves. And so, I mean, I work hard as well, but I have built for myself a lifestyle. Well, today I woke up at 9 a.m. and I do what I love. I work hard, but I have a lifestyle that I want to have. And so I don't see it as one person doing it. It's both people. I'm constantly aware of what is the work and the effort and the blood and the tears and the sweat that he's putting into wherever he is. But I'm also here to make him smile and encourage him and support him like a couple does, like a partnership works. There's a lot of people right now who are really struggling to find their purpose. What advice would you give to someone who is in that stage right now in their life? I want to share this, that I'm learning from my teacher right now and my mentor is that, and I'm becoming trained as a coach, guide, mentor in feminine embodiment, which I'm still defining for myself what it is. But the purpose of life is really to feel alive and experience life in its whole greatness. And so whatever that is, just follow that. And I know that that's like very generic, like, what do you mean alive and whatever? But, you know, I interviewed so many women. So now I interview more than 60 women and I talk to people from all over the world. You know, I've talked to women who are doing such incredible things. And like, for example, a woman was traveling for 15 years and working around and she was like working in Morocco in 2003 online and using the Ethernet and cables, blah, blah. She's built an amazing business. She's like in her 40s now. And you know what she told me? She told me, Anna. The only thing I want right now is a job. I want to come into an office at nine and I want to leave at five. I want a stable income and I don't have to bloody worry about anything else. And I just want to enjoy life. And so the more I talk to kind of older women, older, I mean like, okay, whatever, 40 plus or something. Because by the time you're 35 or 40, so our 30s, I feel, is a defining moment. This is when we define ourselves as women or I can't talk about them. I mean, I know the male journey as well. Like everybody's figuring things out. But at the end of the day, to be honest with you, and that's what my work is with women, it's like, who are you behind the layers? Who are you without your job, without your titles? It's that simple. (laughs) And so what is your purpose in the sense of what kind of work you do or what kind of vocation you have? And yeah, Anna, what about achievement? I mean, that's all great. As long as it makes you happy, as long as it doesn't devalue who you are, and as long as you're not proving anything to anyone, even yourself. Do you know what I mean? So life is incredible. There's so many experiences and there's so many things we can see and do. And it's just a range of pleasure to pain and back. And that's what life is about. A lot of acceptance is surrounding there. And of course, but I would say, you know, what your question was like, purpose. Of course, I would say do follow your curiosity because at this point in our lifetime, you can make money from whatever. And to be honest with you, I said, you know, with girl skill, I'm like, you know what? If shit goes wrong, we don't make any money, whatever. We're going to be in Australia, for example, because we want to be there. And I'm just going to work as a bartender for a couple of months and nothing is going to happen. Trust me. Whoever is judging me by the amount of money I make or by whatever, one of my clients says, your self-worth doesn't equal your net worth. And so that's it. Like I want to experience life to its full potential. And that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm here for. And if tomorrow, that means I'm going to have to start working as a bartender because I need some extra money. And because I really want to learn how to make bloody amazing cappuccinos, that's what I'm going to do. It's a great answer. And I actually can't wait to ask you this next question. 
Let's yeah. fast forward to 50 years from now and you're looking back at your life. What legacy do you want to leave and what do you want to be remembered for? You know, I want to be remembered for this energy that I bring into the room and to people because the people who are with me, every conversation I have, there's a smile in it and there's a sense of peace and there's a sense of joy. And so I want to build a family and a world around myself and somehow People just need validation and confirmation, and people just want to have fun. I just feel like a sense of play and a state of play is paramount. For the next 50 years, I want to keep the sense of play. Looking back, I want to look at my life and know that I lived it to my fullest potential as a woman. I want to discover these feminine gifts that are stored in my body together with everything that comes with it. And I want to live the world a better place. Although that sounds, oh my goodness, we live the world a better. I just want to live a good life and experience it to its fullness and hopefully inspire a few people along the way. So I guess that's what I would do. I feel like you're yeah. already starting that right now. So it's only going to keep getting better. <laughs> Let's get to some fun questions. Some people like myself, I nerd out on interviewing inspiring people like you and hiking. What about you, Anna? What do you nerd out on? I'm also nerding out on interviewing inspiring people like you, Debbie. But besides that, I'm nerding out on yoga. I love exploring my creativity. So I do a lot of like Zen art and doodling and things following courses. I'm really into fashion design, which I'll be exploring soon, hopefully. I love dance. I'm in love with salsa and bachata. These are my greatest passions. And, you know, I love writing as well. Hopefully I'm going to write a couple of books and some fiction. And I love the science of actually coaching and not coaching, but mentoring and guiding people. Currently, I'm fascinated with the idea how you take someone from a place of confusion, possibly darkness, and possibly a place where they're really overwhelmed and taking them to a place where they have an aha moment and they leave a conversation with you, which this is my intention for every podcast interview I do. They leave this interview with, wow, that was great. And I'm going to implement that. And I didn't think about that before this way. And then they just pass it onwards, like pay forward the light. So that's what I'm currently, but I'm sure there's a lot of other stuff like nutrition bunch of other things. And yeah, the world is amazing. I don't know if I'm going to have time to explore all of my passions and pursue all my interests, but we'll see because <laughs> 50 years is a long time, Debbie. So maybe, <laughs> who knows? If you were given a one minute ad slot during the Super Bowl that you can't sell with the potential to reach millions, what do you want to fill it with? Oh my God. I would want to fill it with something really silly and really funny. I would create something that people would absolutely love and laugh their asses off. And this would be remembered forever. And that would be related to something like, I don't know, maybe to the feminism these days and how feminism has become something that it was not meant to become. And then so we can have a good laugh at it, continue our life and bring in a little bit more common sense and where, you know, women love men, men love women and everything in between. So I guess that's what I put in there. I hope that's a good answer. <laughs> I love that answer. <laughs> what is the most unusual job that you've ever had and what did you learn from it? 
I had many jobs. I don't think I had anything like unusual. Actually, no. Okay. I was working at customer support in a personal growth company and I was very young and out of college. And so I was supposed to answer questions on meditations and suicide attempts and people having crazy stories. And some people were writing in asking about how they can have some astral sex and how this is going to help their life and how they can project themselves into another universe to meet the one. And I was supposed to be giving answers to people actually on like suicide attempts, as I said, and it was really challenging. That was the craziest, I think, work experience that I've ever had. (laughs) Having traveled to so many different places, what has been the most life-changing meeting you have ever had? You know what? I'm going to say when I met my husband on the road, I think that has been the most transformational experience (laughs) for me. And then we got married and I never thought that would be the case. So I think he was the person that has made a very big impact on my life and I'm still learning from him every day. What are you working on today that really excites you? Yeah, I'm working on my program. I just launched my first group program. It's called Rediscover Your Success. And I'm taking seven women through a six-week journey on rediscovering their success which includes their inner girl, their femininity, their creativity, men. We're spending two weeks on men and then rediscovering their trust in the world. So I'm really excited about that. It's a very exciting time for me in my business. If our listeners want to know more about you, where can they find you? So you can go to girlskill.com. All of my episodes are there and whatever we're offering today is also there. And make sure to check the podcast out. It's called Girlskill, Female Success Redefined. Just go into your Apple or wherever you're listening to this podcast, for example, and type in Girl Skill, you're going to see me with the flowers and the story that I told you about. So <laughs> you should definitely check it out. Of course, you can find me, uh, Girl Skill is on Instagram, and I myself. And if you find Girl Skill, then that will lead you to me for sure, because I'm also active on Instagram and Facebook. I write on Medium and all of that good stuff. Thank you so much, Anna, for all of this incredible knowledge you just gave us. I had such a great time talking to you. Thanks, Debbie. It was awesome. Thanks so much. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Anna. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get the extended interview with Anna where she shares how to keep your relationship strong while you're on the road.